Hi, everyone. This is the Love Your Career podcast. I'm Lauren Severus, CEO of Love Recruitment and Love Care Recruitment. And the aim of this podcast is simple. We want to give you the best advice from industry professionals to help you grow and love your career. We want companies to be able to take guidance on improving their recruitment process and for individuals to pick up knowledge, hints, tips of how to progress their career. We do this by letting our guests tell their stories. Thank you for listening. Truly, we hope you learn to love your career. Today's guest is the fantastic Catherine Firmer. Catherine is the Operations Director at the Gym Group, um, and I'm exceptionally pleased to welcome her today for many reasons. Not only has she had a brilliant career and hugely successful and a wonderful person, she's also uh, someone who who has managed and managed me historically. She was my general manager back in the day, and I will I credit Catherine with a huge amount of the reason of of my progression and my development in my in my career. She gave me she's given me lots of classic advice over the years. So for me to have her on the podcast today to share that wisdom and knowledge and experience um, with other people today is 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 fantastic. And I I I'm I'm always very hopeful that people will take something from these podcasts. I'm exceptionally confident that people take lots and lots of learnings from listening to Catherine today. Catherine Firmer, how are you? Okay? I'm good, thank you, Laura. Today's uh, guest is Catherine Firmer, the Operations Director for the Gym Group. Um, first things first, thank you so much for your time. And um, I'm going to try not to be too much of a fanboy today because... Honestly, I'm so happy to have you here. There are people that have influenced me in my life, um, obviously before, after work, and early life, and still to this day, and current mentors that I have. There's been people of my family even for me, and obviously I've got two amazing business partners. But from a work point of view, there's been two people that have really influenced me in my career. One is Russell Longwood, and the other person is sat right in front of me. As you've been a huge influence on my career. You shaped me before I even realized my career needed shaping. And I put a lot of what I am as a leader down to you. So thank you so much for coming. That's very kind. It, it does make me very humble for you to say that. Yeah. But yeah, and I probably didn't realise any of that. <laughs> I know, but you, you just did. And one of the key lessons I'm sure we're going to pull the thread of Lotus going through, but I said to you, I've said to you many times since, the whole principle of telling people what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear, that's what you guided me with. Your leadership style was all about that. And everyone in that club, this is obviously sport according back in the day. Mm-hmm. Everyone in the club just was so motivated and so passionate. Now it's an outstanding team we had there at the time. If you think where everyone is from that team as well, what they're doing now. It is, and it, and it was a fabulous team. It really was, and it was tough back then as well. It was. But you're right, we did have fun, and it, it was it was a good team, a okay. really good team. So in terms of starting, normally I start with how do you do you love your career, but I'm gonna make that my second question. So okay. you know what I'm gonna start with, don't you? <laughs> I do. Yes. Catherine, I've told a story thousands, well, maybe not, maybe not thousands, but certainly I'll be surprised if it wasn't a thousand times. Since I went into the recruitment, I've told a story about guiding people and how to interview better. That inspiration came from you when you cared enough and took the time. As we said earlier, you weren't even my GM at this particular point when I was going for the sales manager role at Chisholm Riverside and I completely flunked my first interview. And not only did you um, take the time to speak to, the, to that general manager, and the regional manager at the time, you sat me down in your office and you did a mock interview and you gave me the best feedback I ever could have had in terms of how to interview, how to structure answers, 
and I took that into my career in recruitment where I used to work and obviously it's in love we all, we all talk about that mm-hmm. style and that came from you so thank you for that firstly no you're, you're welcome and actually it was, it was you that reminded me of it and I remember that call and I just thought they'd all just got it wrong because I'd put my name to you Lawrence and you'd gone for this interview and you'd completely messed it up and I, I, I couldn't understand it so I actually refused to believe everyone and told them that they needed to re-interview you that this just, this just wasn't on Some, something was wrong um, and I do remember our interview and I remember stopping you saying, what are you talking mm. about? Because it wasn't clear, it wasn't succinct, you exactly. weren't using numbers to back up what you were saying. So yeah. you were still you and you were still brilliant. But then um, you went and nailed the interview and I was like, that's yeah. right, that's appropriate. And in the interest of making sure people take something away from this podcast really quickly, what the advice was, was I was trying to give five answers when one answer was good enough. And I wasn't, as you say, succinctly answering the question. What the guidance was, was go home get a blank sheet of paper in front of you and for half an hour write down every single question you think you might get asked in an interview don't answer them yet take half an hour just to write I remember I still remember I was at home with my bed at home and I had sheets of paper everywhere all around me so I was writing down loads of those questions what I think I could possibly ask and if you ever struggle to think about questions look at your CV look at the JD of a role and mm-hmm. find your questions from that as well you'll be able to find and did it work questions. that advice it, it did because the point then is you then said after half an hour start to answer them but give one answer and it wasn't about getting an answer for every question. It was learning how to answer questions. It was realizing if someone says to you, tell me about the best sales month you ever hit as part when you led a team, they're not asking for 19. They're asking for that last January when you pulled it out yeah. and you hit. And because guess what will happen if once you give that one answer, if you want more information, you'll say, well, how did you know you were behind? You ask more questions, you ask secondary and tertiary questions after that. Yeah. That's where you get the answers from. And that advice stuck with me. That's why I then got the job at of Riverside, which is, the hardest job I've ever done in my life. Yeah. <laughs> it was massive. For anyone who's around at the time, they'll know that as well. But thank you for that advice and the amount of times I've given that to people in what I've interviewed in the past. It's helped people be better at interviews. That came from you. And that's great. And you, you probably don't realise at the time, you were just, I didn't realise at the time the impact that would have had. I was just like, there's a job to be done here. You can clearly do it something's gone wrong so let's just fix it mm. so I'm probably a bit of a problem solver like that but we're going to delve into your leadership style I'm sure during the course of this as well because I think that just comes from you and you being you so anyway it's Love Your Career podcast have you loved your career? do you know what I, I really have I've loved the industry and I've loved the people that I've worked with I think you mentioned teams before and I think it was the the teams that bring you that love and that passion and that fun and that excitement to help you achieve um, I probably fell out of love with the uh, fitness industry a little bit after 15 years at um, you know with one company because it was hard it mm. was really hard it was brutal back in the day um, but actually I've rejoined again and, and I have to say I think the gym group has made me fall back in love with the industry I didn't realize it had changed so much it was so friendly and it was just such a good balance and it was absolutely still driving all those things that hold dear to me um, so in summary because I'm not being succinct now <laughs> yes. <you> are. <laughs> would you mind talking us through your career so far talk us through the journey to where you are now currently as the ops director at, at Jim Group talk us through that journey yeah, so I graduated from university and genuinely didn't know what I wanted to do, so fell into being an instructor in um, one of the Esprit clubs. They were one of the kind of two original ones and was a personal trainer um, and instructor. I remember thinking, oh, I can't do this personal training because it was too much counselling. Um, I thought, oh, this isn't for me. So I went down the management route and I, I stayed with a sporter, the company, for 15 years, actually. But That's made huge. M- 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was too long, actually. Um, but I was um, the youngest general manager at the time, at 25. I ran Islington. That was an interesting club. And then I remember they said to me, um, oh, we'd like you to go to Croydon. Or, yeah, I'm trying to dress it up. It was Croydon. And um, <laughs> I remember smiling and thinking in the back of my head, going, I really don't want to go there. But just going, oh, thanks very much. Because you kind of really didn't have a choice. And um, went to Croydon. And it was a really, really tough club. But we had some great performances. It, you know, it was, it was fabulous. Um, and then I did a few more jobs in there. I was learning and development director. I then moved to regional director. I ran the south and then I moved up north. And, then, and that's when it, I took the decision to say, do you know what, if I don't move now, when am I going to move? So I moved into the beauty industry. I then went into, uh, then had my son. And then I went into the football industry. And then I went back into golf and hotels and health clubs. And then I joined the gym group. So I've always stayed within that leisure environment yeah. and always things that I've been passionate about or that I've, I've enjoyed. I don't claim that my football knowledge is particularly good. Let's just be clear about that. But it's the same principles. They're transferable skills that you're, you're working across. What's been your best decision so far in your career? Uh, to leave a sporter yeah. after that time. 100%. That was my best decision to leave. Do you want me to ask them why? Just because that was the time. You had your time. It was starting to become... You started to dislike the industry. No, no, I don't think it was anything as negative as that. Okay, I think all the way throughout um, a sporter, it changed so many times that I was always learning. And actually, if I'm being honest, I think back at it, I was up at six working, I wasn't finishing working till 10. It was kind of six, seven days a week. And I just thought, there's surely got to be more out there. Yeah. Um, and actually, it's just one industry. There are so many more industries out there that you can learn from. So um, yeah, I took the decision to leave and then went into the beauty industry. I worked for an FMCG actually, yeah. which was completely different. And was that a conscious decision to go into that sector or were you going, I would like to work on something else and that was? Oh, it just came up, Lawrence. A recruiter <laughs> said to me, how about this? Well, because we ran, exactly, we ran Health and Beauty. So I thought, oh, you know, why not give it a try? So it, it was quite a, a strange move over, but actually I learned so much about PR, about marketing, about all things that weren't operations because it was such a small element of the business. So um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a good move in my opinion and I had a great time there. What was behind your rapid development at such a young age to get a club like Islington at a young age, move to Croydon, where I know it's a tough club. I work there, I still live in Croydon, obviously, as well. I know it's a tough club. However, it's a big club. It's yeah, a tough it's challenge. A there, there must have been something about you as to why you were given such a big challenge. Can you identify through your career traits that you have, behaviours that you had, mm. values? What, what, what's behind your success? I th I Does that think make sense? Yeah, it yeah. does. I think there were probably three things. Probably my resilience. I think I'm quite resilient things, and you had to be back then. Um, I think I work hard and always always had worked hard. Um, and then also, um, I definitely have a moral compass that the difference between right and wrong is important to me. Um, and I've, I've often got myself into trouble for sticking up for things that perhaps wasn't things to stick up for, but for me, it was, it was morally correct. So trust me, it wasn't without bumps, my career, my journey's in there, and I'm quite outspoken and I'm quite direct. But um, I probably would put it down to resilience and hard work. Resilience and hard work come up as such common themes throughout this. I keep finding myself saying that almost every great person we've had in that chair have highlighted those types of things. And I think it's really, really important. I think people not underestimate that, but maybe underestimate just how important such a simple thing is. Yeah, and sometimes you don't realise until you leave the industry, work in another industry, about how hard 
you will work and how resilient you all are. It's only when you get a comparison yeah. that, that probably highlights that to you because you're in with your cohort, your colleagues who kind of have the same traits as well. And it just becomes, I always talk about your dial shifts that you, it just becomes the norm for you. Yeah. But actually sometimes when you compare to others, it, it's slightly different. Do you look for those same traits in people that are already within your team or who you're looking to put into your team? Do you look for those things? Um, I know I look for people who will challenge and I know that I look for people who ideally energise me and the business as well. So I know I, I, I thoroughly enjoy working with people okay. like that. Um, and so therefore, yes, resilient, but I suppose it depends what the definition is and where your, where your barometer is because actually people are resilient to other things as well. Um, yeah, I think it, a, t a team is made up of different people and, and you know different communication styles and different styles and I think that's really important you definitely don't want the same people as the same as you it's no. too much <laughs> and do you have a, so do you have a process for that because you've whenever I think of the, that team then and think about how you are now you put together great teams does it happen not by chance of course not by chance but do you, do you have a design? Do you have only these types of personalities in it? Or is it just that constant evolution of getting the feedback of something working or not working, someone leaving and you, is it just a constant evolution almost? Um, I think so. I think experience plays a strong part in whether, certainly at interview stage, whether you think someone is someone you can work with that you, you genuinely believe that they are succinct, they are clear and they are being honest with you and transparent. I think that's really important so at interview stage. But there's only so much you can glean at interview. Um, I would hope, and you know, if any of my team are listening to this, I would hope that they would say that I like to nurture and work with people and to the point that they then go and, and do the job themselves. It's not my job to do their job, if that, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, but actually be there it's okay to make a mistake but let's learn from it let's move forward and then actually come and seek guidance and regular interactions and, and regular one-to-ones are really important so I don't know my, t my, my team is very different it's made up of very different people so um, nice. but you, you just have your own leadership style don't you 100% what's your we touched on this a little bit but what's your why what you, I know firsthand how hard you work I know the respect that people still hold you in, that worked for you. Oh my God, some of the role we're talking about was, what was it, 15 years ago? Yeah, how, and, and how I still, <laughs> sorry, how I still speak about you and how I speak to Cam about you before you arrived this morning. You have this way of working that's so strong, that's so motivational. What's your why? What, what makes you work like that? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think I'm, I think I'm naturally competitive have always been to the point that I didn't even like musical chairs when I was like three because I didn't like the thought of losing. But I do think I've got that in Marco like that as well? Yeah, no, he's not, okay. unfortunately. I wish he would be a bit more competitive. Um, and the, so I think I'm naturally competitive and I think sport has always been a great driver in that competitiveness in terms of doing it. I grew up in South London, you had to have a little bit about you to make sure that you survived really and that you, you in, I enjoyed school, I had a great time but other people didn't. So I think that comes, um, I don't know, I suppose from your upbringing it was, it was the competitiveness I think. Um, I like to try and do a good job. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't like does. to be thought of that I'm not doing a good job or I'm, or I'm not driving, but I will make sure that it's about the team yeah. um, as opposed to being about me. Nice. I guess leading on to that from that one point is who's had the biggest influence 
on you so far. I guess I guess life and career, particularly as a career podcast, particularly career wise. But yeah. I always I always remember with with great fondness and thing. Um, there was um, a lady called Debbie who I used to work with in a sporter, who was the corporate services director. I think when she joined, mm. um, and actually the way that she came in. Um, she had a very different style, very different experience, but actually was a senior female in the industry, in our business, and that always, that Debbie's always had, she doesn't realise, because we are good friends now, okay. um, she doesn't realise the impact that she probably has had on there. Um, the other flip side of it, I've had quite a lot of um, examples where I would learn from how I don't want to do things. Does that make sense? Haven't we all? <laughs> <laughs> Even probably from my first ever job. So um, I think you take learnings, whether they're positive or negative, and you turn them into actually... Um, does that work or doesn't that work for you? Yeah. And how... It's almost equally important to have both. It might sound strange, I've never asked that question before. But it, it's almost important to have those bad experiences, do you think? It is, as long as you recognise exactly. that they are... Uh, we'll call them bad experiences. But as Different long as, leadership styles. Yeah, mm. that you recognise that actually that's not a leadership style that is preferable to me or I don't feel that that drives the best behaviour in me or in other people. And then you make that conscious decision to see whether you want to utilise some of those styles or, or maybe just disregard them. Mm. And I think that's where the learning comes from, is being able to recognise what you think is um, beneficial to draft performance mm. and, and a good leadership style, in my opinion. So the people obviously had a bit of emphasis on you. Do you recognise how big a role you have in, in your immediate team and through them impacting other people and investing your time and effort and, and experience in, in your teams as well? Yeah, we do. We, 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 at the gym group, we have mentoring programmes as well. So nice. we, we have a, a central one set up and we, we set up one for our cluster general managers as well. Because I do think there's such an important role, not only in your line manager, but for to have someone who is not your line manager, but actually for you to talk to, to understand, you know, this is quite a tough situation or how did you feel about that? So we try and really nurture people because it's all about driving performance as well. We're not nurturing because we're counsellors. We're nurturing because we're, we're, we're driving performance. And the, the better you are in your role, the better the performance will be for the business yeah. and for you as well. So I am, a, I am a great believer in that. There's also other ways to drive performance, though. That sounds more culture than because of driving performance. There there's seems to be a culture within Gym Group to help and drive and, and get that way rather than... I, I think back to a sport of having... Was at the point of having four conference calls a day, you don't actually have time oh to do anything because you're on a conference call. Yeah, and you're on a conference call explaining why you haven't done that and why you want... Uh, it was crazy. Um, you're right, the culture is very different and very different to what I was used to, very nurturing. But if you think about it, it was born about fitness for everyone, you know, um, just really breaking down barriers. It, it was... It was created 999 to actually get people into the gym to, to bring fitness and I think that rolls into the culture for the business as well because actually it's about working with our teams that we can work together to actually drive and for us in operations it is always about performance most of us are competitive we like a target we like to be able to deliver that but you know you have to have that culture that surrounds it because when it doesn't go right then actually you, you can get that framework and you can link back in and rebuild in it because it doesn't always go right of course not yeah today's podcast is sponsored by share the love share the love is our way of making a difference for every placement we make with love recruitment or love care recruitment we plant 50 trees to find out more, head to our Share the Love section of one of our websites. 
Thank you so much for all that advice so far. What I'd like to do, if that's okay, is to start giving even more advice and being a bit more specific to certain groups who may be mm-hmm. looking at their careers, looking at jobs, looking to develop themselves within our sector and the wider industries that kind of complement that. So I guess the first question now is, what advice would you give to people starting out? So looking, they might have just left university or left school, maybe early entry level type role, and they're looking to kick on, but maybe it's not quite happening. What advice would you give to people at, the, at that entry point of their career? Does that make sense? Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, I think I would say to them, and this is the bit that I probably, I never did, is understand what roles are out there because you go in at an entry level job and you, you have no idea what variety of jobs are out there and you kind of you sometimes you you may pigeonhole yourself you go down a route so just keep your eyes wide open um and my other key point is just do something you love either be passionate about your industry or be passionate about what you do because you spend far too much time at work um, and you've got to enjoy it. You generally do have to love what you do. Otherwise, um, I, I just think, for me, it's something that's really important. Love that. I guess it all ties into your first answer as well, is understand the pathways then no after. So I understand what roles are out there, but generally what can being a sales consultant lead to? You understand those pathways? Yeah, and don't be tied just to those simple pathways because yeah. actually, you know, I ended up running a, a football business. I was commercial director for a, a, a small-sided football. I don't know anything about football, Lawrence, but actually it's those principles that then um, move on from there. And actually so many of my friends and colleagues have moved into other areas that they probably wouldn't have thought about initially. Mm. So sometimes I think people get caught up about, I must do this by this by this. And that works for some people. But I had a conversation this morning and it's okay not to know where you want to go, but it's important to understand what you do enjoy, what you don't enjoy, what are things that you absolutely, where you want to go mm. to. So um, I think it's okay not to have everything mapped out in my world, but at least know that you haven't got it mapped out and, and yeah. keep on seeking and doing that. Sophie spoke about that a little bit on her podcast, about water, about water finding its way, but having yeah. almost faith in that. And it's funny, sometimes you get different people in the chair and you have such different perspectives along that spectrum some people are like no we've got a plan one year five year ten year I'm, I'm one of those people but yeah. other people say do you know what have faith in what's going on you know what you're doing will end up leading you down the, down the right path almost yeah and I think it's about build, your building blocks for the foundation of who you are and as a leader as well yeah, yeah so whilst you may not be very clear about I want to be there in five years but actually I know that I need to improve in x y and z and that's very important for me. So I'm, I'm, whilst I'm understanding where I want to go, I can put my building blocks in place to say if I need to do more project management or I need to be more strategic or I need to be better at finance, you can build all those things in whilst you're, you're planning away. Or some people just have it mapped out, Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not for one second suggesting that I do. Uh, internal development can be quite a tough um, needle to thread. Um, some people can be quite frustrated, quite, quite stagnated in the role that they're in. You've had lots of internal progression, you've been behind lots of mine. What advice would you give to people maybe who are maybe starting to feel that a little bit, maybe they've applied for a couple, got knocked back. Is there any, is there any advice for those types of people? I think probably two things spring to mind is make sure you do get feedback and good feedback to understand why what are your ar- yeah and what are your areas for development and if you're not getting that good feedback then honestly i'd, I'd challenge the person that's interviewed you and what they're doing someone you know. like you to challenge anybody exactly exactly <laughs> it's, it's a strange thing um and then one thing i always do and i still do it to this day is i um 
where you have a subject matter expert in your business, and it could be anything. So in our business, it could be marketing, or it could be data, or it could be strategic, um, our strategic director, or it could be finance. I've always um, respected and recognized how someone does think something better than you. Because actually you can learn so much from those other people, more. whether it's how to present, whether it's how to do stakeholder management, because someone actually manages the CEO better than you or the COO. How do you learn from that? And it doesn't have to be always such formalized learning. It's just necessarily recognizing in the business that well, someone's really good at their job or they're really good at that. So actually listen, learn, speak their language and all of a sudden you will start to um, make more gains in how mm. you are as a, as a person as well. And in your experience, are, have people been open to helping you when you've asked for their help? Oh, sometimes you don't need to ask. Sometimes you just listen <laughs> and you watch Fair. and you do Fair. that. So it's not that I'm sitting saying, right, you need to tell me this. People are always, always helpful. I think it's the way that you ask. But sometimes it's just recognising and thinking about how they've put that across and taking that away and maybe doing a little bit more preparation or thinking how would they think that or using the language and terminology that they use because I've always found that then you're able to communicate with other departments better. Us operators are really quite straightforward. You know, we're normally clear, we're normally direct, we find a solution and we just get stuff done. That doesn't suit everyone and, and it, it can be quite intimidating sometimes. So it's understanding how you then interact with other people. Yeah. And different departments, when you're in a big business, different departments. Yeah, so asking people's advice, make sure you get feedback if you have been knocked back. Yeah. And I guess if you haven't even put yourself forward, being bold enough to be brave, and being brave yeah, enough to go for it. What's the worst stuff. that can happen? Yeah. You get told no, and, but then, you, then itself, then you get feedback as to why. Yes, yeah. and you may just get the job. Yeah. And that happened to me on my, um, it was my first ever promotion. Okay. And I was one of maybe, this is the days when we had lots of instructors, I was one of maybe 10 instructors. They'd all been there longer than me. They had all were far more qualified than I was. And we'd all gone for the fitness coordinator's job. And I got the job over all of them. <laughs> and I never understood why. Um, looking back now, I'm thinking, oh, actually, Jamie, maybe you did see something in me then. But it, it threw them because they, they all thought they were shooting for assumed. it. Yeah. And actually, so if you don't apply for it, then you, then, you, then you won't get the job, will you? So maybe just try. I had a conversation with somebody recently, I think back to the days at Sporto, and when I was a sales manager, I, never, I was never made a regional sales manager. And I, but I, afterwards, it became clear to me the reason why is I never put myself forward. I never actually did. Whereas the people who did, they applied for those roles. They put themselves forward. I, didn't, I never did that. Yes, and, and you know and there will be people that will always be putting themselves forward, even though they're not the best person for the job. Yeah. So it, it's the skill of the person within the company as well to recognise who's the best person for the job and not to be afraid to make the right decision, but it might not be the most popular decision. <laughs> okay. Might be similar traits to this answer. Um, it might be something completely different. But in terms of someone who's looking to make that step up, because there's a big step. Well, not, there's a perception often, there's a big step, or it might actually be a big step between that general manager, certainly regional management, into directors and heads of and C-suite. You've, you've obviously made that step. What advice would you give to people in terms of amassing the right skill set or doing the right things to make that step or to help them make that step? I think it comes from your your starting base of where you're coming from. Okay. I think explaining a general manager to regional manager role is probably the easiest and sometimes you cannot prepare for it. You just need to be in that role and then you realize the, the difference and the, the size of a role in there. And then when you step up into the next role again, it's 
I think it probably comes back to my previous answer. You need to recognise in the areas that you need to improve on, whether it's being more strategic if you're an operator and that doesn't naturally come to you, or it's your communication style or understanding people. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes you just need to, it's okay if you feel a little bit nervous or it's okay if you don't want to do things, put yourself out of your comfort zone because actually your comfort zone expands and then you'll, you'll get used to it. It's okay not to be perfect all the time. Okay. We spoke about people influencers. In terms of influencing from um, training or, or um, programs or books over the, or podcasts even over the years, is there anything particularly influenced you? Is there anything you'd recommend to people that you kind of, do you know what, that helps shape me? Well, that has helped my understanding of something. The one that probably, and I did think about this, we've done, it, we've done this at work at the gym group, and it's, um, it's the insights training. And over the years, honestly, you, people give you lots of books, lots of podcasts, lots of different things that, you know, some of them resonate, some of them don't. I've personally gone through phases of doing lots of reading and then not doing it. Yeah. You know, I've gone back to the bestsellers to have a read. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> And, and I think for me personally, you go, you go through phases of it, but actually this piece of the insights, and I suppose it's, it's depicted by um, Surrounded by Idiots book at the yeah. minute, is, is the colour profiling, because yeah. I've, n I've really never used a tool within business that has been able to be brilliant with the fitness managers and our teams to understand why there may be differences, how do they communicate better, what are the differences in there, that goes all the way through up to kind of our director levels. So that's really worked in our business, and it's probably something to do with Ross, our performance and development manager, and how he's, he's built that into the business. But that, for me, is probably one key area that people talk about, Absolutely. like Catherine's stuff. And they, we probably use it sometimes in the wrong way, because you can be a mixture of colours, but they say to me, Catherine, you're so red. Stop being so red. But we, the fact that we use it within our language, for me, means that it's it's embedded in, and people understand that. Yeah, so far. we um when I was when we had the Australia um business going on, when we at a conference for Anytime Fitness in Australia, and they did a profile in this massive room, um, and they started to put, send people to different corners of the room depending on what colour they were. So as soon as the red corner was identified, Maddie, who was with me, she was like, "You're going over there," and it was just like. It, 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 it's and we, once you know and understand and see things in that way it's it just so fr it, honestly it, it, it just works so well, I've done profiling before I've done Myers-Briggs I've done all, all of them in the past but none of it really resonated because it was the tool that was of useful in there Yeah. so um, you know I talk about one of my colleagues when he's having a blue day because he just literally fires off all, and I'm like just stop it you know yeah. because he's getting all of his stuff done he's been analytical it's all coming through so we you know we do jest about it but actually it's a real for me it's a tool that is really working yeah. to help communicate um, leadership and leadership styles um, to all levels within a business does it help you to understand the decisions that you make and how you influence your team do you find yourself almost using it as a bit of an anchor to oh, that, or, uh, 100% uh, yeah. I need to know that actually maybe I can't be as direct with that person or I need to amend my style, or I need to take some time, yeah. or I must make sure I'm never late for that person, or you know, all of those things. We, you, d it, 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 the aim is to try and get into the, um, to the um, subconscious, isn't it? You do it without thinking about it. Absolutely. Your, your conscious, com your in unconscious <laughs> competence. Is what I'm looking for. Really um, we spoke about this a little bit, but I just wanted to talk about a little bit more that came out. Um, the, the importance of getting feedback, not just in a recruitment process, but from your line manager as going, th going through your career. So to use the word feedback, to use another slightly more negative way of looking at failure and disappointment in the career, how important is that in the career to learn from, to get that feedback loop to get better? 
I guess you've probably experienced it a little bit in yourself at some stage. Oh my God, all the time. <laughs> I mean, they're just... I think, I think it comes in different ways as well. So I think we always think about that feedback, that traditional, I'm sitting down with you and um, I'm going to tell you this, this and this. And, it, you know, I think feedback is often delivered perhaps in the, in the not the best way. Um, we've just done some recent um, director training and, and literally it was, it was brutal, this assessment. It was brilliant because actually you got this feedback um, and it still made me realise things that I do. So I process information quite quickly is why I speak quickly and why I like to get things done but that isn't always a good thing it can be great in other ways or people think you haven't processed it but you have processed yeah. it really quickly because you, you, you're already moving forward um, so I think it comes in different formats and guises but I think feedback is okay for you to give yourself feedback like, do you know what I, I, I didn't really perform very well then that wasn't great what I did or I wish I hadn't said that thing or I wish I hadn't done that and I think it's that self-reflection that's also really important that you turn around and go, yeah, I messed that bit up or probably shouldn't have spoken to that person like that or, you know, I didn't hit my target, what didn't I do? So I think there's that, that self-reflection element yeah. of it as well. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you find the learnings from them. Yeah, but don't do it too many times, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I learned that from you, yes. <laughs> as I dread you walking into your office going, ah, yeah. you've done another, um, another zero. Um, Let's go on to interviews, if that's okay. Um, for, a, for advice for a candidate, um, first, before we get to talk about businesses. So um, there's lots of different schools of thought about what a good CV looks like, what it should say, what it shouldn't say, how long it should be, blah, 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 blah. Your advice from an industry leader who's interviewed hundreds of people in your career so far, best advice for someone putting together a CV, what should a CV be like? So I got given this advice by a recruiter, and yeah. actually I, I hold true to it. They said to me, Catherine, it has to be that first paragraph. Um, they went, don't even, I think it, it flipped between two or three pages because it was like two pages, yeah. but the, it, it didn't even get to how many pages. On someone's mobile, you have got that much, so therefore you better communicate very concisely and clearly a paragraph about yourself and then a succinct history. Done. Job done. So, and I've, I've stood by that and someone, and many of my friends' HR directors have gone, oh, Catherine, I'm using that format of that CV that you've got. So I still hold true to that. It was that snapshot because you're right. If you're getting a load of CVs through, you you are you know I always read them thoroughly because I of think course, that gives course. that respect for people because they've sent them through. But it's important to see who's catching your eye. It's that starting strong. That CV starts strong yeah. in your eyes, and it immediately you then look at the rest of it through a different lens. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then if you're going to make a statement or thing at least back it up with figures that add up and please don't just put um be succinct Lawrence, in your CV. <laughs> I'm, I'm smiling <laughs> because you will read cvs and they will make these outlandish statements and there's nothing to back it up and inevitably if you then question in an interview just to understand what they want to say it's a woolly answer and, yeah. and therefore it's okay not to i'd rather you don't say it just, just to be clear just about that. Just to be able to actually yeah, quantify and what you I think by this stage, a lot of us have, have interviewed a lot of people. Um, and I always say, don't kid a kid out. You know, we're not daft, but, but just be yourself, be honest, and um, you yeah. know, back up what you're saying. Have, have some evidence to back up what you're saying. I, I guess that leads into my next question, which is about how you prepare effectively for an interview. So knowing your CV and be able to articulate what you've got on there, firstly. So no BS on there. 
mm-hmm. what else can people be thinking about if they're going to be going for an interview? I think they need to understand about the company. I think that you know it's always good to, to do that. Don't ever walk into an interview and say, I know nothing about your company, tell me about it. At any it. level, 100%. Yeah, and, and people like to know that you've bothered to, to learn about that company, but also you don't need to sit there and read out their annual report to them. You, you know, there just has to be that, yeah. that piece there. You were formed in 1930. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just, it's, um, so... I think that's important. Understand the company, be prepared, be ready with evidence. Like I said to you, think about the question and give me an answer. Back up what you're saying. Don't, it's all the standard stuff, isn't it? But it genuinely does work. Don't be hypothetical. I, I don't need to know what you would do if. Tell me what you've done. Yeah. Um, because from that, I can glean so much information Absolutely. and then funnel down if I want to. 100%. So. And then I guess from the flip side of that, so businesses, what advice can, would you give to businesses who may be struggling to recruit, um, how to go about an effective recruitment process, what advice would you give to businesses? Yeah, and interestingly, I think the industry itself is, is it's, it's challenging out there at the minute, certainly for 100% fitness yes, uh, trainer recruitment. Yep. So um, it comes back to that thing, and I'm, I'm like cliches, aren't I, at the moment, don't always just do the things that we've always done, we have to do something differently. So, you know, we had the most successful kickstart program that was done. We do a lot of early years, um, early stage recruitment for us, not early years, not like four year olds, early stage recruitment for us that we, whether it's growing our own, all of those things, how can we do things differently? Because if you're all fishing in the same yeah. pond, there, there aren't as many to go. So it's understanding what other routes and how do you get cut through? And that's one thing that we continuously work at and, and is important, so important to us as a business. Um, to and that's from fitness trainers all the way through. It's different when you when um, at different levels and in different um, departments as well. Mm. We've spoken about this previously when we when we had a coffee recently about the retention within the gym group is, is exceptional. Yeah, I, I would, yes, I want yes for our general managers it yeah. is exceptional. Oh. <laughs> it really is exceptional. Not, not the, yeah, no, and fitness yeah. trainers is, is still strong, but yeah. we work really hard with that. So it's about how can we make sure that you have a successful business. You know, we have a PT Power Up program where we train and develop and help people have successful personal training businesses so they will, the longevity of the fitness trainers are there. And we don't always get it right, but actually it's important about listening and learning. Yeah. Um, but yes, we do have a, a, a very, very strong um, general manager population. And if you think about back in the day, um, yeah, it wasn't like that at all, was it? No. We used to be like, turn it over. <laughs> what um, things evolve and change in recruitment all the time anyway? Obviously, following the pandemic, things change quite a lot in certain areas. For example, things like video interviews, the speed of which you have to move in interviews now at all levels, not just entry mm-hmm. level, but in, in senior level, you've got, to, you've got to move quickly now. So there's a lot been changes like that, obviously, remote work, et cetera. If only, have there been certain changes where you've seen, you think have really added to finding talent? Has, has any of those recent changes that helped, helped you as a hiring manager? Um, I think I'm going to split that into two sections of it. In terms of helping hiring, I really like a video interview, you know, when you answer the questions because, you know, even for internals as well, it's important that people are answering the same questions, um, but you get a flavour for them without, you know, essentially everybody sitting in front of you. So I think the the, the, the sifting process is important or the initial Agreed. stages are really, really important. Um, I think since the pandemic it's made us be me be more creative we've been great to have other people from other industries come in but also we've lost people from our industry going into others as well and that that is a challenge that we always we always simply need to face so I think it's given us challenges and it means that we have to stay agile in what we're doing 
Do you have any favourite go-to questions in the interview? Oh, yeah. I guess I it depends on the role. Oh, no. Okay, no, I, no, I literally do. And it's a really bad one. And everyone will mock me, but I love it. So if your partner, best friend, um, were to describe in three words, what would they be? Wow. I love it. And then I play, sometimes I play a little game with myself to see whether I can, from the interview, guess what they're going to put. And I've got a really good strike Really? Rate. Really good strike so you, are, you ask it quite late in there. So you, 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 it's my last up. question. It's my last question. And so, like, they might say resilient or agile or this. And so, and so, I honestly, you should try it. Try it the next time. It's great because it's and it's not how they see themselves, the boss, but how does their partner or best friend see themselves? And it's Love great. That. And honestly, it just gives you a slightly different insight. Although one time I was speechless because I asked this question, and he looked at me and he said, "I'm short, fat, and ugly." <laughs> and I didn't know what to say, and I just went, "But I'm sure she loves you." Great nice. <laughs> That's what a great so that, comeback. So I was, so I, I did, um, yeah, that did make me chuckle. But honestly, I, I just love it. It's one, even at a senior level, it throws everyone. But you get a really good insight as to how people's close, nearest, and dearest see them. I guess, yeah, the, which is which is the key thing. As soon as you add the fact that close, nearest, and dearest, it makes them be authentic. Yeah, it, it makes throws them stop and think and be real. Because if you ask about line manager, they're in that they're in that mode, and I understand that you know people flex on how they are at home from there. But it's um, yeah, I think it's just a I do I do frame it as my favourite question. So and I apologise in advance for asking it. But Not in the slightest. Um, I'm very conscious of your time, so I'm going to start to start to wind to the last few questions if that's okay. In terms of um, you've been senior and you progressed internally consistently in lots of great businesses in the sector you would have come across lots of great people and there's obviously the flip side of that according to all but the great people I like to focus on and we talked about what makes you so great at what you do are there common traits in the people that you've worked with and go I like working with them I enjoyed working with them both for them and managing them are there consistent traits of people that if someone's listened to this today not they can model people should always be themselves but aspire to be better at potentially. Does that make sense? It does. And um, am I am I all right if I answer no? Because <laughs> I no, can't genuinely think that there's a consistent trait. Um, because some people, I, I, I really enjoy them as a, as a person and, and, and actually respect them. And others, I respect them for their position. So I might actually not think they're a great person, but actually in their role, they're really clear. They're, they're very um, direct they're very clear on what their objectives are and they will just stop at nothing in order to, in order to do that. Um, I think it does come back to the resilience. They've all probably all been competitive. They've probably all been good people, um, leaders. They've cared about their teams. So, and I think that's probably the thing that would join it all together for me, is that the generally people will work, who will work comfortably in a team leading or as, as a player or a part of it is probably the, the thing that comes together. Nice. I'm just trying to think of all of them. They're all flashing through my head of all the great people that we work with because, you know, back in the day, everybody grew up in the industry together and, mm. and the majority of people have gone on to have fabulous careers. Cannot agree more. Um, and so I, I don't know what is, but everybody was very different. Yeah. I, yeah, everyone, everyone is always in their own person and I think the best people are not unique characters, but they, they bring their own way of doing things. No one's a carbon copy of each other. Yeah. Obviously, I've, I learned a hell of a lot from you and a hell of a lot from us, but I'm not you guys. But there are traits that we share, and that directness, I think, I've brought into my style stems from you. And I think there's there's elements of, 
I think it can be important, not necessarily to be always be direct, but to tell people what they need to hear. I think. Yeah, and I think yeah. there was a difference in that because being agree. direct is not always a good thing. Like, and I've learned that the hard way many times. Um, and sometimes it's great, but other times <laughs> it's not so great. But it is about being. We we have um, one of our values about realness. It's about being real and about being authentic. Yeah. And you're right in telling people what they what they genuinely need to know, not what they want to hear. But you have to frame it in the right way. Yeah. And try and understand their communication style. Um. So yes, whilst I I know I am direct. It's it, you're right. It's about what they need to know as opposed to telling them just what they want to hear for, for doing that. And I think that goes through at all levels, doesn't it? Completely. You know, right. if people are just telling you what you want to hear, you're never going to improve. I think, I think, I use this, I've, I've used this example a few times. I think when people look back at the people who've influenced them the most, it isn't the fun bosses who dance around the office. Obviously it's not, I guess, everyone with a good David Brent when I say that. It's not about that. It's, a, I, for me personally, I look back at you and Russ as the people who were honest and led and sometimes told me things that I didn't technically like at the time but they shape and I've always tried to be that for people that have worked in teams since then I think that's that's an important thing for me yeah and I think it's to be that support isn't it you know just because you you're you're you might drive and you want to achieve and you want your team to achieve it's about it's about supporting people yeah. as well agreed you know making sure that they they feel comfortable the, platform. the right yeah. people have the platform yeah. to be successful if you could go back to your give advice to your 21 year old self back in the day what advice would you give that young lady? Oh, I'll tell her not to do some of the stupid things she's done. <laughs> but I would also, um, I don't know, I'd probably look, say to her, expand your horizons more. Don't fall into it. And, and nice. whilst you're constantly learning, but just expand your horizons because, you know, it's a big wide world out there with lots of different jobs and roles. Um, and, yeah, and go, and go and do a master's. I wish I'd gone and done that. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Do you want me asking about that? How come? No, I remember leaving university and um, thinking, oh God, I can't, I can't do another year here. Like, I just need to go. But actually, I wanted to. I wanted to go to America. To and I wanted to go and do exercise physiology masters. But I just I fell into it, and I didn't ever ever bother to do it. Yeah, yeah. And actually, then you get into life, and it does it as well. So that's what I'd probably do. Finish okay. your studies early because when you try and do them later, it's so much hard. hard, isn't it? Yeah. I um, always like to finish off with the last question about a, a one thing so to try and drill down this I guess it's quite similar to one before but if you you've given so many nuggets of information that people can take away from today but if there's one thing about the answers you've given about your career about you and your advice what's one thing you'd like people to take away from listening to you today um, and I don't know if it's come across so I think that people need to believe in themselves because actually um we need different people in the workplace. Don't mould yourself on someone else. Be you, but be brilliant and be you. Um, and recognise that people are different. So learn to communicate in different styles in yeah. order to do that. But don't change who you are because that's probably where the brilliance comes from. Nice. Last question. We always like to ask people right at the end if they could recommend somebody who they think would be a great guest on Love Your Career podcast. Someone you've maybe come across someone you think would have a story to tell, someone you think would be a great guest to have on a podcast like this. If you could nominate somebody, who would you like to nominate? Oh, I'd nominate two people. Okay. I'd nominate my boss, actually, Anne-Marie Murphy, because I think she's got a great story to tell. Um, and I'd nominate uh, my mate, Debbie, who is, okay. a, is a president, which is a CEO. Um, <laughs> so I think she'd be brilliant as well. Amazing, I shall. Oh, and my third one, oh, okay. my other mate, Joe, <laughs> who is... <laughs> 
who is now the uh, a dean of a business school, and she was an audit, yeah. So, Outstanding. yeah. So, and they are all really strong females in leadership who I just think are fabulous. Love that. Thank you so much for your time. You you know how I feel about you, and thank you so much for giving your time to us today to pass on your knowledge to people. And um, it's been an absolute joy. I wish I could keep on talking to you for another couple of hours, but you have places <laughs> yeah. to go. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs> thank you, Lawrence. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much um, as, as, as I did talking to Catherine. And as usual, here are my three things. My first point, it has to be about the advice that Catherine gave to me all those years ago in terms of interview. Do go back to the early part of the podcast if you haven't made notes on it. I've given this advice to to hundreds, like well, I think I mentioned earlier, um, if not thousands of of people over the years. And it's it, it's great advice. So please listen to it again, heed it. It will help you to interview better going forward. My second point was 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 Catherine's advice about internal progression. I thought it was incredibly strong and knowledgeable as an area we perhaps haven't delved into in as much depth or with as much um weird, sort of weird examples as Catherine went into. So her advice around asking for feedback as being critical in terms of internal progression, but that going alongside seeking out experts within the business. But the last one critically is actually putting yourself forward, going for it, asking for it, applying for it. It's it can sometimes make the difference. It doesn't progression internally doesn't always come from people coming to you you a critical part of it is 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 you making it happen as well my my third and last key takeaway was obviously Catherine gave huge amounts of 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 exposure to her management style management advice was very very wide ranging but as an area is obviously pretty close to my heart was a particular strength that Catherine focused on was the 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 art of telling people what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear, but doing it from a place of caring, a place of support. I thought that advice was articulated really well from someone who's who's benefited from that throughout their career. I can wholeheartedly um, advise you that that's, a, that's a, just a great style to have. Thanks very much. This is the Love Your Career podcast. The point of this podcast is simple. Listen to leaders, their stories, and improve your career.